Locked On New York Rangers Podcast. I am your host, John Chick. The song you are hearing once again is Leave the Lights On by Pacifier. Pacifier, they were cool enough to let us use this song for the podcast. So big thanks for them. That is a song off of their 2009 album, Everyone on Every Night. Make sure to give them a listen on Spotify, iTunes, you know, wherever you can find music, you can find Pacifier. Really a unique band with a sound all unto themselves and just put on a great live show. So if you ever get the chance, definitely check them out in concert as well. Just a great band, great bunch of dudes, and really, really thankful that they were cool enough to let us use the song on the podcast. The Rangers coming off of a big 6-3 win against the San Jose Sharks last night, bouncing back nicely from a 3-1 defeat to the Los Angeles Kings two days prior. Artemi Panarin picks up the hat trick, his first as a New York Ranger last night, capping it off with an empty netter at the very end, and... Another strong performance from Alex Georgiev. He did give up the three goals, but overall I thought he played pretty solid, made a lot of really nice saves. None of those three goals were what I would describe as soft goals. He made the Sharks earn every single thing that they got. And in the win, just 15 saves. You know, he wasn't tested that often in this game, but he was there when the Rangers needed him, made some saves. It'll be interesting to see how the Rangers handle it going forward. I would imagine on Saturday they would probably go back to Henrik Lundqvist at that point. The Rangers... On Saturday, we'll play at the Anaheim Ducks, a 4 p.m. start time in that one, and the final game of a four-game road trip for the Rangers. They are 2-1 and one thus far on this West Coast swing, and it would be huge to get that win against the Ducks. You beat the Ducks on Saturday. You have then gone 3-1 and one and gotten six out of a possible eight points on the road trip. If you lose, I mean, it's okay. You kind of just survive the road trip at that point, right, because you'd be 2-2. Two and two. Which, you know, that's okay. It's okay for a lengthy road trip to, to go 500, you know, in the four games. But, man, 3-1 and one on this road trip, that sounds pretty awesome. So, hopefully the Rangers can keep it going and break this kind of, this streak that's been going. Because it's been win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. So, now we want that streak to end and the Rangers can finally, you know, put together a winning streak of some kind. We're going to get into the game details on just a moment. But first, I wanted to give an update on Vitali Kravtsov. And for those of you who haven't been following along with this, I'll give you the, a quick synopsis here, and then we can get into like the details. But Kravtsov was the Rangers' first-round selection in the 2018 NHL entry draft. They took him ninth overall. He is a 19-year-old right winger. Now, Kravtsov actually had a chance to make the Rangers out of training camp this season. They didn't do that. They instead, he was one of the last guys cut, and they sent him down to AHL Hartford. And something just didn't click in the five games that he was there. He was even a healthy scratch on one occasion. The Rangers, you know, kind of played the cards pretty close to the vest on this one, but still just kind of bizarre that, you know, a guy that you just recently took with a top 10 selection in the NHL draft is a healthy scratch, even on your minor league team. You know, you would think you would throw him out there, get him as much ice time as possible, and do what you got to do to get him ready to eventually make his NHL debut early, uh, later this season. That would be, you know, seemingly the most logical way to go about it. But instead, 
Kraftsoff decided to head back to the KHL, and the Rangers reportedly, they were okay with this. They gave it the thumbs up. You know, he can play in Russia, and he can play with Tractor. That is the name of the KHL team that he went to. But then, Kraftsoff, a couple of times, he barely played at all over a two-game stretch. I think he had one shift over a two-game stretch. So this Tractor KHL team sent Kraftsoff to the farm team, the VHL farm team, and this is when the Rangers stepped in and they basically said that they want him to come back over to the States and move and report back to the Wolfpack. But it's just bizarre to me that, you know, he's at times a healthy scratch on the Wolfpack and then he's being sent down from the KHL team to the to VHL team. So you got to wonder, like, what's going on there? If there's some kind of, like, attitude problems or work ethic issues, and I don't know this for sure. I'm just speculating. Again, the Rangers have played their cards very close to the vest on this one. It's hard to find a lot of information about it, but the whole thing is just very bizarre, and it is concerning because, again, this is somebody you took ninth overall just, just last year in 2018, and he— can't get on the ice, and as far as any reports are concerned, it doesn't look like any of it is health-related. He just isn't playing. You know, teams just don't want to put him out there. The Wolfpack are making him a scratch. The KHL team are barely playing, and they're sending him down to the VHL team. This whole thing is just very, very strange, but it looks like he will be reporting to the Hartford Wolfpack. He has one assist in the five games that he played with the Wolfpack earlier this season. He was a healthy scratch in that one game, as we said, and benched during portions of other games. So it really is hard to know exactly what is going on there. So yeah, right now as Ranger fans, you know, I think we just have to kind of keep our fingers crossed and hope that he kind of settles in to his surroundings in this country back with the Hartford Wolfpack and just starts to find his game a little bit better. He committed a couple of turnovers, and that was the reason for, you know, kind of being in the doghouse during his first stint with the Wolfpack. So hopefully he just cleans up some areas of his game and he earns his way to a promotion to the Rangers by the end of the season because you can't whiff on a first-round pick, a top-10 overall pick, no less. You know, these guys have to hit. you got to, when you draft somebody this early, these are the pieces around which franchises are built, and Kraftsoff is no exception here. The Rangers really need him to eventually become a big part of their team and really help with this rebuild. Again, when you take somebody this early, you, you expect big, big things, and Kraftsoff off to a shaky start, but just 19 years old, the story hasn't been written. Just a couple of chapters have been written, so you know we'll see how it goes with the Wolfpack this time around. Again, hopefully he can just find his footing there, start playing some good hockey, start kind of settling down, settling into his surroundings, and we'll take it from there. We'll keep an eye on this guy going forward because he is too talented to not eventually make an impact at the NHL level. So we'll jump into Thursday's game against the Sharks, and Brendan Lemieux is sidelined with an undisclosed injury. Uh, obviously, we hope it's nothing serious. you, you got to love Brendan Lemieux for his style of play out there. But, you know, sometimes I think this might almost be a blessing in disguise for a guy like Lemieux because we've talked about that. He's not the biggest guy on the ice, and he plays with such, you know, a reckless, you know, just pedal-to-the-metal style that it might not be the worst thing for him to have one day off here. You know, you almost have to save these guys from themselves once in a while. But hopefully it's nothing serious and he'll be back out there on Saturday. We will keep an eye on that. And just to run through the line combinations and defense pairings real quick, you've got a top line of Ryan Strom, Artemi Panarin, and Capo Caco. Second line, Kreider, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich. Third line, Philip Hedl centering Greg McKaig and Jesper Foss. And then a fourth line of Brett Howden, flanked by Brendan Smith and Michael Haley. And then the defense pairings, Shea and Truba, Still together, and then you've got Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox and Mark Stahl and Tony D'Angelo. So no significant changes there. Liber Hayek remains out with an injury. 
you know, with Brett Howden moving down to the fourth line, he's almost kind of in the old Leas Anderson spot where he's centering a line with Haley and Smith, not exactly big time scoring threats. But I think the difference here is Howden at least got a chance, you know, for the most part this season, he was on the third line. I think he might've even got a cup of coffee on the second line, mostly on the third line though. Got a lot of chances there. Didn't really take advantage. Too many games where he just wasn't very visible on the ice. So, yeah, you could argue that he's going to have a hard time producing on the fourth line. But the thing is, he wasn't really producing on the third line either. Uh, it's not something that I'm overly worried about with Howden. You know, I think he's just off to a slow start this season. He's still a young player. It is what it is. I think eventually he'll move back up, get another chance with the third line. Although it might take an injury to do that because you've got Ryan Strome, Mika Zibanejad, and Philip Hedl all ahead of him on the depth chart, and rightfully so. Uh, one workaround is you could move Strom to a wing, and that opens up a center spot. But I really like Strom at center. I like him out there with Artemi Panarin. I know Strom can play wing if you need him to, but I'm not going to break up the combination of, you know, Strom centering a line with Artemi Panarin just to make room for Brett Howden to center a line. Um, again, I'm not giving up on Howden, but he's basically at this point got to earn his way back up to the third line. So we'll see what happens there. I thought Howden played a little bit better in this game, a little bit more visible on the ice, making plays around the puck, and even creating some scoring chances. There were a couple of opportunities early in this game, but the Rangers just couldn't get the puck past Martin Jones. Martin Jones played well early in this game, and then it kind of got away from him late. Uh, the Sharks goalies have not had a good season, so that's a reason why I thought the Rangers could definitely win this game and definitely put up some goals, regardless of whether the Sharks went with Martin Jones or Aaron Dell. They went with Jones. Neither one has been very good at all this year. But yeah, Fast and Howden were in there deep, and Howden passed from the goal line to Jesper Fast in the slot, but stop was made by Jones. Rangers got an early power play in this one, and the Sharks have the best penalty kill in the league. They've killed off more than 88% of power plays, and they actually get a shorthanded goal here. They go in on a two-on-one, and Hurdle delays with the puck and snaps the shot past Alex Georgiev, a shorthanded goal, one to nothing Sharks. Adam Fox was in position at the last second. He challenged Hurdle, but in so doing, the puck deflects off of Fox's stick and goes through Georgiev, so just bad luck there, not really anything you can do about it. But overall in this game, I thought this was a good night for the Rangers special teams units. They get a power play goal a little bit later. They go one for three overall on the man advantage. And again, you know, I know it's become kind of a running gag where we talk about how the Rangers take just way too many penalties and way too many undisciplined penalties. But by that same token, we got to give them credit when they stay out of the penalty box. Just two power plays for the Sharks tonight and the Rangers penalty kill unit kills off both opportunities. So again, a great night overall for the Rangers special teams units. And the Rangers recently doing a much better job staying out of the sin bin. Perhaps that's been a point of emphasis from the coaching staff. But again, you know, on this road trip, mostly for the most part, staying out of the penalty box and just doing a much better job of, you know, even the penalties they do take, at least at times, they're somewhat understandable. They're not taking offensive zone penalties anymore, and they're not just doing, you know, mind-boggling things that result in two-minute penalties. So yeah, a much better job there all around. And as strange as it sounds, I thought the Rangers actually kind of found their game right after the Sharks got this shorthanded goal. I mean, a lot of times that's a momentum swing in the other direction, but for the Rangers, I think it kind of had a reverse effect. They were a little sluggish out of the starting blocks in this game. I mean, nothing flagrant. It's, it's not like they were dogging it out there, but they just couldn't find that extra gear. And I thought right after the shorthanded goal, the Rangers created a lot of really quick scoring opportunities. We already talked about Foss and Howden, you know, creating a scoring opportunity there. But yeah, Rangers getting more pucks at the net after that and just playing a little bit better. I thought maybe, you know, that that shorthanded goal, giving that up kind of lit a fire under the Rangers and they really kind of found their game after that. 
Unfortunately, the Rangers do go into the first intermission, still down one to nothing. And I thought this was kind of the same deal as the first period against the Kings. A good amount of shots, decent amount of opportunities, just could not light the lamp. And part of the reason was Martin Jones played very well in this first period. It was not a sign of what was to come because the Rangers got to him in the second and third periods. But you got to tip your cap a little bit there. Jones made a couple of nice saves to keep the Rangers off the scoreboard and one to nothing Sharks at the first intermission. And then Jesper Foss made a great play in the Rangers zone to force a turnover. He gets the puck to Greg McKaig in the neutral zone. McKaig with a beautiful behind-the-back pass to Philip Heedle, hits him in stride. Heedle goes in all the way to the goal line in the corner. His momentum kind of carries him behind the goal line, and he just throws a pass back to Jesper Foss. Foss rips a wrist shot and ties the game at one. Foss was close earlier in the game, you know, kind of creating some scoring chances. Nice to see him come through here with a goal. And all set up by just a great defensive play by Jesper Foss forcing the turnover. Less than three minutes later, the Rangers take their first lead of the contest. Ryan Strom has the puck in the corner, kind of along the goal line, and he pushes a pass across really the top of the crease to Artemi Panarin. Panarin has the puck, shoots from a really tough angle, but he scores. He just basically, he shot before Martin Jones could get over there. Just such a quick release from Panarin. He's the guy you want to have the puck in that spot because, again, just, just such a lightning quick shot. And just like that, 2-1 to one Rangers early, fairly early in the second period. And then the Rangers give one back later in the second period. Logan Couture scores at, off of a pass from Timo Meyer. Puck is in the corner, and for whatever reason, Brady Shea and Jacob Truba both chase after it. I don't know if there was just miscommunication or whatever it was. And again, I'm not going to kill Shea and Truba because they both played very well, especially since you know being put together as the top defense pairing. However, not a good play here. Like we said, both defensemen kind of chase the puck in the corner. And really, as soon as Meyer got the puck to Couture, the Rangers were in big-time trouble because Couture at this point has the puck in front of the Ranger net, and there's nobody there. There's nobody there to stop him. So Couture stays very patient with the puck, kind of skates to his left across the crease, and Yuriev tries to stay with him, but it's really hard when you know, you're know you one-on-one with a guy like that and there's no resistance coming from the Rangers. So Couture, like we said, stays patient with the puck, shoots and scores right from the doorstep, 2-2 two to two, midway through the second period. Sharks nearly take the lead a little bit later in the second period. They go in hard on the rush, and I'm not sure how this puck stayed out, but it looked like Hurdle basically just put the shot off the crossbar, and Georgiev made the initial save on the play, but Hurdle got to his own rebound, rang it right off the crossbar, and just like that, going into the third period, still tied at 2-2. Two to two. Sharks take the lead 3-2 to two early in the third period, thanks in part to really another defensive lapse by the Rangers. I'm not quite sure what happened here, but basically... The Sharks, they're in deep. They work a pass to Dylan, and this guy has gone 106 games without a goal, but that's about to change here. The Rangers were sort of in the middle of a line change, and for whatever reason, nobody moved up to take on Dylan. Everyone was kind of giving ground and kind of backing up, and Shea was giving ground. Truba was giving ground. I think it was Kreider was giving ground. No one pressured the puck. I don't know why not. Nobody moved up to take on Dylan. I mean, maybe they just figured that you know, this guy's not a threat. He's not going to shoot anyway, but you really can't make that assumption. And really, I don't even think you have time to make that assumption. I mean, somebody's coming in with the puck uncontested. I don't think you have time to think, oh, that's Dylan and he doesn't shoot or score very often at all. I don't think you really have time to process all that. So, I mean, somebody, bottom line, somebody's got to step up and challenge this guy here. He probably could have skated in even deeper and even closer to the net if he wanted to, but just a total defensive lapse by the guys here. 
and it results in a 3-2 lead for the Sharks. So again, I can't put this one on Georgiev. Uh, Georgiev with another really great game and two goals at least that were not his fault at all. Just didn't get the help that he needed to get from his defenseman and his teammates. But then the Rangers get a power play with 12-18 left. And then midway through the man advantage, Panarin's got the puck along the boards. Does a great job protecting the puck. He passes back to D'Angelo at the blue line. D'Angelo immediately sweeps the puck over to Mika Zibanejad on the other side of the ice. And Zibanejad takes a shot basically from just inside the blue line through traffic. Kreider is in front providing the screen against Jones as he's so good at doing. And the puck finds the twine 3-3 with 11 minutes and change remaining. And then we have the goal of the game, and it's not just because it was the game winner for the Rangers, although that certainly doesn't hurt, but Zibanejad was just an absolute beast on this night. He goes in on the rush. He tries to set up Foss with a pass to his left, and Foss is looking for the one-timer, but he fans on the shot. And then there's a scramble for the puck, but Foss, first one to get there, he basically he, his momentum carried him behind the goal line. He immediately turns around, gets to the puck, chips the puck to Zibanejad. Just a really short pass there, and Zibanejad blasts a shot over the right shoulder of Martin Jones, and the Rangers go up 4-3 to three with less than seven minutes remaining. My favorite kind of goal in this league, really at any level of hockey, is and always will be when my team just simply outworks the opposition, and that's exactly what happened here. Zibanejad and Foss miss on the original pass, but they don't hang their heads. They continue to work hard. Foss fan on the shot. There's a lot of guys who might, you know, be a half step slow getting back into the play after that happened. Foss didn't care at all. He immediately is right back on top of the puck. He's the first guy there. The Rangers wanted to get possession of this puck more than the Sharks did, and that's why they scored the goal. And nobody wanted it more than Faust. He gets there. He moves the puck quickly to Zibanejad. Zibanejad takes care of the rest. Just outstanding effort by both guys on this play in a big spot in the game, and turns out to be the game-winning goal. Clutch, clutch play from Jesper Faust and Mika Zibanejad. Sharks get a power play with 549 remaining. Rangers, again, doing an awesome job of staying out of the box here. And a little bit of a questionable call here as well, but an excellent penalty kill by the Rangers. A lot of, you know, rink-wide clears by Brendan Smith and Ryan Strom, among others. Just doing a great job here, limiting scoring opportunities. I say limiting, really eliminating scoring opportunities. Sharks really didn't do much of anything on this man advantage. So the power play is killed off, and then Artemi Panarin just takes over. In the span of about 10 seconds, Panarin manages to put three shots at the net. His first shot is blockered away by Martin Jones, but Panarin immediately gets behind the net and regains possession. He brings it back out in front. He has a shot blocked. He once again gets to the puck and shoots again and scores on the short side. There was like maybe two inches of clearance there. I mean, such a small amount of real estate. The puck can barely fit through it, but that's why he's Artemi Panarin. He puts the puck through a really tiny opening there and a huge goal because this gives the Rangers a little bit of cushion. Now 5-3 to three with 3-11 left to play. Sharks pull Martin Jones, and about 15 seconds after they do this, Panarin gets control of the puck in the neutral zone. He doesn't even bother gaining the red line. He just shoots and scores, you know, basically from just outside of his own blue line and Puts it right into the net. His first hat trick as a Ranger, 6-3. A really nice win for the Rangers here. It was a seesaw game back and forth the whole way through, but they came up clutch when they needed to, and they, again, the Rangers continue to play well in third periods. And that is the sign of a team that looks like it's wise beyond its years. They are finding their way to play their best hockey when it matters the most. That is an excellent, encouraging sign going forward. 
I got to believe the Rangers' quality play in the third period, this is not a fluke. This is a result of things like, you know, the clutch gene and good coaching and a team that just knows when to put the pedal to the metal and knows when it needs to play its best hockey. Even if things haven't gone perfectly to that point in the game, just find a way to get it done. The Rangers do that again here on the road against the Sharks. And, you know, the Sharks, not the toughest of opponents right now. In fact, it was their sixth consecutive loss. But nevertheless, you know, you're on the road. There are no easy games in this lead. You trailed in the third period after giving up an early goal, really a bad goal, to a guy that never scores. And you find a way to score four unanswered to close out. Huge game, huge win for the New York Rangers. And another strong game from Alex Georgiev. Mika Zibanejad with a pair of goals in the third Artemi Panarin with two goals in the third to complete his hat trick. Just an outstanding game. The Stars were out for the Rangers. Uh, A big, big win. And now you go into Saturday's 4 p.m. tilt against the Ducks, as we said, with a chance to win three out of four games on this West Coast road trip. And that is big. You know, three and one, it just sounds so much better on a road trip than two and two. I mean, two and two, okay, yeah, you survived it. You did okay. But man, let's get three out of four and let's come back to the garden and have them rocking for Monday night's home tilt against the Nashville Predators. So again, you know, a big opportunity here for the Rangers to go up against the Ducks and come away with another two points and to take six out of a possible eight points on this road trip. And as for the Ducks, it's another team that has really struggled this season. They are 13, 15, and 4. That is tied for second worst record in the Western Conference. They're actually, they've done worse than the Sharks. Uh, The Sharks have 32 points. The Ducks have 30 points, although the Ducks have played two fewer games. But bottom line, there's a very winnable game for the Rangers, an excellent opportunity, as we said, to take three out of four on this road trip. So that'll happen on Saturday. Puck drops at 4 p.m., and we'll be back here to talk about it. Maybe we'll do a bonus weekend episode. We'll, We'll see how it goes. But regardless, we will be here to talk about it at some point. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, if you have a question, LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.